weekend is not complete without the First Lady of New York Radio. It's the Joan Hamburg Show, Talk Radio 77 WABC. Happy Mother's Day and come celebrate Sunday starting at 2 o'clock with the Joan Hamburg Show. We have a great show today. One of my favorites who is on the air every Sunday, too, starting at 1 o'clock, Cindy Adams, is going to stop by. And I love reading and hearing Cindy's stories. She talks about her mom, and every Mother's Day she does a special column, which really touches my heart. So I know you're going to enjoy her. And also, Steve Gutenberg, funny, funny guy, laugh out loud, He's got a show that he's written, performed Tales from the Gutenberg Bible at the George Street Playhouse in New Brunswick, New Jersey. And it talks about his life, his family, grew up on Long Island and then ends up in Hollywood working and playing with a lot of stars. And you know him from Cocoon, Police Academy, Three Men and a Baby, and a short circuit. He's done a lot of amazing things. So all of this, part of the Mother's Day celebration on a Sunday. Happy everything and enjoy. I'm Joan Hamburg. Taking you behind the curtain, it's the Joan Hamburg Show. Talk Radio 77 WABC. I'm really happy today to have a wonderful actor whom you know, as my guest, Steve, the one and only Gutenberg, is at the George Street Playhouse now, where the world premiere of Tales from the Gutenberg Bible, which Steve wrote, he's starring in it, and it's a really, I, I haven't seen it yet, but I hear it's a fantastic production. It's laugh, it's everything, it's Steve's story. So you are really... Amazing. You always work, but you took a lot of time when your dad was really ill. And you and your sister, that was like a full time job. Amazing. I love that. Yeah. Thanks, Jonah. Thanks for those kind words about the play. Um, yeah, the, the last five, six years really devoted to my dad, who was on dialysis and had kidney failure, which is a really big deal. It is and very big. So, Yeah, so it doesn't get a lot of press, but so many people have it. So uh, my sister Susan and I were um, actually, uh, uh, we got commissioned as uh, dialysis technicians How? because we were taking my dad. So go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I can't imagine that. How you guys could do that. Yeah, we went to school for it. You're we were taking our yeah, we were taking Dad to the center for dialysis, which is very tough. You know, you're in a room with 20 people, and you're on these industrial machines, and you're waiting for technicians. Mm -hmm. So we were actually lucky to get chosen. My dad was a U.S. Army Ranger, and the Veterans Administration helped us, and we were able to get all the equipment, maybe a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment. And we were able to set up a little mini hospital in our room and uh, uh, in, in my dad's den. And we were able to have him just toddle out of the bed. And then we, we would cannulate him, which means uh, we get hooked up. Mm. 
Um, and uh, we hook them up with, uh, with, with all the ways to get the blood in and blood out. And we would uh, dialyze them every day for four hours, take a couple hours to get off it. And thank God we extended his life. So the last five, six years, I've really given put my career mostly on hold. And uh, but it was to take care of my father. And, you know, there are 35 million caregivers in this world. 35 million. So hard to it's believe. Wonderful. Yeah, I, well, it's, it's on It's wonderful. It's exhausting. I my husband was very ill for a couple of years and oh. we went through that experience uh, of being caregivers and no then you know it's a really a full-time emotionally challenged job. And you're you're doing what you know you want to do and you have to do because yes. that's what you have to do for people you love. Joan, you hit it on the nail right on the head, and you know the pain of watching someone you love so much start to wither in that's front of right. you. That's right. You lose them. And like what you happens? You lose them, in, and you know what? Your eyes and my eyes and all the caregivers' eyes. We've seen things that other people have not seen, and they never go away. You know, those reflections on our corneas never go away. And you are a wonderful person. Your family is wonderful to be able to be caregivers, to give that time and that emotional and have the knife in the heart. So I understand, and I, I, I send you my love and a big hug, because us caregivers, that's not an easy game. Not an easy game. Not at all. But your dad, who always enjoyed your career and your humor and all the gifts that you had, it sounded like he was a little concerned. He wanted you to go back to the real world in many ways. He did. Last April, he said to me, Stephen, you got to start working again. And I said, Dad, I, I don't want to leave you. So what happened was eight years ago, I started writing this play about my family, about my career, and my love for both, and, uh, and the pain that occurs when you leave home so early uh, to go on and to show business. And I know your son is in show business, so you understand yeah. no, absolutely. What, that, what that's like. So about three years ago, uh, we, were, we were chosen by the George Street Theater to uh, put the play on, but I couldn't leave my dad. So my dad passed last July, and, uh, and what happened was they called me in November, Julian Schlossberg and David Saint, two wonderful Yeah, Julian's uh, an old friend. Ah, oh, so you know Julian. Very well. So, in fact, he gave my kid, who's in show business, his sure, first John. showbiz job. Are you kidding no, me? No, Julian, Johnny always says to this day, he owes... So much to Julian, who he was just a kid, John. And Julian oh. knew that kid was hungry and said, come on, come work with me. And I'm going to teach you everything I can. And he did. Oh, God. Isn't it a small Julian world? Is, <laughs> yes, that's a wonderful small world. And, and I understand. And, and you know, and you, for a parent, for your, 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 you know, you and your husband to let your son go into show business. That's a dangerous jungle. Believe say, me. I'll, I'll, you, uh, believe, yes, I know. We weren't all say, excited. We said, what's wrong with being a dentist, a doctor, exactly, an accountant? Exactly. I mean, pick one, anyone. 
anyone. Yeah. And uh, I understand. I understand. And Julian said, let's do the play. And uh, we started doing the play. And you know what's funny? The play is helping me with my grief about my dad. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Every night on stage, I get to hug right. Arnie Burton, who plays my dad. And, and feel his presence. Photos. Yeah, I feel his presence. No, so it's, it's, it's great. But when you were a kid, I forgot how you, because I read it once. How did you get started? Because I started, I left home at 17 to go to Hollywood for two weeks to become an actor. And uh, without contacts or anything? Well, what my, my parents' good friend from 10th Avenue in Brooklyn, Michael Bell, he was a, a well known actor and he did very, very well in voiceovers. So he was kind enough to put me up at his house for two weeks, and that two weeks became a year. And I got wow. commercials, and I got a few movies. But after a year, uh, and my dad always wanted me to come back home and go to school, and after a year, the culture of the, of the, of the film business got to me. Uh, it was too cold for me. So I decided to leave and, and stop being an actor, go to Albany State University, get my degree and, and start to be something else. How and then I got some more jobs and, and it started up again. But and you I was very, very back. fortunate. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, it's too, you know, when it starts up and you start getting jobs and you start making money and you get the excitement of show business, it's very hard to leave it. It's a, it's a drug. It's a very, very I know. addictive drug. And you also yeah. got the actor's dream because you started getting a lot of sitcom work. And once you yeah. get that and you become a regular, you know you can pay the rent. That's it. When you start to pay the rent, make a living. I haven't been a waiter since I'm 19. Well, and which I is think great. As an, which is great. As an artist, I look at my sneakers and my shoes and I, the rent and, you know, and, and eating and food and a car. And I bought it all on show business. And I feel very fortunate and grateful every day for what my parents gave me. They gave me the freedom and the strength to go follow my dream. And I'm, I'm grateful every day to them. Right. And your dream started working when you were still yeah. very young. Oh, yeah. I was very fortunate. I, I got about 15 commercials my first year and a, a teen movie. And, a, and then I, I went to Albany State and I got called by the director of The Boys from Brazil starring Olivier, James Mason, and Gregory Peck. Oh and I went gosh. to... Portugal, and I got a great job there. <clears throat> and uh, from there, I came back to New York. I packed up my bags at Albany State, and I went back to L.A., and I started working more. I, I was very fortunate to work with guys like uh, like Robert Evans and uh, Barry Levinson and <clears throat> Ron Howard and, and the people over at Warner Brothers and Disney. I've been very, very fortunate. So where did Tales from the Gutenberg Bible come from? It came from, I wrote a memoir many years ago with all these funny stories of my Hollywood adventures. And then Julian Schlossberg read it. And he said, I think this is a play about eight, 10 years ago. And we started writing it. We had 300 pages, 300 pages. That and you Julian, wrote. You wrote with Julian. I wrote. Yeah. I, I wrote it and Julian uh, supervised it. And then Julian and David Saints, who's the artistic director of the New Brunswick George Street Playhouse, edited it down to 68 pages. Mm. <clears throat> and uh, now we have a 90-minute play, which really rocks. 
it's sensitive and funny, and it's about ambition, innocence. It's moving, and uh, it really uh, it really fills the belly with uh, some great theater. So I hope people keep coming. And we're going to also be not only are we in New Brunswick, but we're going to the Bay Street Theater in Sag Harbor yeah, that's, in the month of August. It's a wonderful theater, and if you haven't worked there before, you're really going to enjoy it. Oh, good. No, I've never been there. I'm Great really looking theater. forward to it. And good audiences. Yeah. They welcome theater, and they love it. So that's really exciting. Lots yeah. of things going on in your life. Yeah, I'm very grateful every day. And, you know, it's a choice to have your attitude. You And I, I choose to have a positive, optimistic attitude and see the sunny side of the street and keep walking over there. And even though inside sometimes I feel lousy, I don't want to act lousy. I want to enjoy. And since my father's passing, it sort of, it changed me. That my father would always say, enjoy yourself, Stephen. And I was never really able to enjoy myself. I always worried. I worried about jobs. I worried about this. I worried about that. Now I sort of enjoy things a lot more. I had a big, big change. Last year I did a picture with, um, with Sybil Shepherd uh, for Lifetime. And I walked out of my trailer and I stopped and I heard my dad say, Stephen, I know you want to know your lines and you want to know what to do and everything, but enjoy it. Enjoy that's, it. And you I just know what? Uh, yeah. That's a very hard lesson. You can teach people a lot of things, but yeah. it's yep. really hard to teach people to let go and yeah. take pleasure from the moment. And, oh, the bit. It's and what a what a what, the sky opens up and the sun comes out like you never saw the sun before once you start to do it. Right. And and you can accept yourself and say I can do this. I'm good at this. Yes. You know, someone said to me a long time ago, don't, you know, don't be so, don't be humble. You're not that great. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to be very, you know, I, oh, I didn't, you know, I never told people. Now I say, this play is great and I'm great in it and you should come see me. And we got great reviews and come on and have a ball. I believe in this play. No more, hum, no more humble for me. I mean, I'm, I, I have a humbleness about a lot of things, but about my work and how good I am and how talented and skilled I am at this, at this point in my life, now I say, we're doing great. Let's have a good time. Right. And once you can learn to have a good time, then it all comes together, which is something, yes. which is something special. You grew up on Long Island? I did. I grew up in North Massapequa, the Plain Edge School District. And uh, I got there when I was seven years old, and I left when I was 17. And my mom and dad gave my sisters, Judy and Susan and me, a wonderful life. A wonderful life. And the sisters, I'm, are they actors too, or no? No, my two sisters are not actors. My one sister, Susan, was a teacher for many years, and now she uh, looks after my mom uh -huh. in Arizona. And my sister, Judy, works for the Westfield, New Jersey School District. She's uh, one of the she's assistant to the assistant supervisor, uh, superintendent. And she's actually president of the uh, of the secretary and the workers union. So I have two wonderful hey, how great. accomplished sisters. And yeah. what is Very it, grateful. Steve? I'm talking to Steve Gutenberg, who you can see and hear his story and laugh and and get all the stuff you need to get through. It's at the George Street Playhouse, Tales from the Gutenberg Bible. What does it take? 
for an actor to hang on, to even break in, because you didn't grow up in a theater family, grew up in Long Island. You know, I mean, a lot of kids want to be actors, but not easy. I believe you have to have a great faith in something bigger than you. You have to have a reason to do it that is beyond you, whether you're doing it for your family, you're doing it for your future, you're doing it for people you love, you're doing it for God, that there's something bigger than you going on auditions and waiting and sitting by the phone and eating tomatoes or ketchup soup for, for dinner because you don't have enough money to buy a meal. You have to believe in something bigger than you. And for me, it was my family and God. And I have a great belief in God. I'm, I'm a very proud Jewish person, and I observe. And I believe that God is with me every day. I believe my ancestors who passed away are oh, with me every day. And, and I do it with my, for my family and my friends and people I love to make their lives better and more exciting and, 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 and more comfortable. And I get a great, great deal of satisfaction for making other people happy. And that keeps me going. So when it's a quiet period where someone doesn't want me for their jobs or I feel a little low, I reach way deep inside and I talk to God and I talk to my God, grand, grandparents and I talk to now my dad and I think about my wife and how I want to make her life happy and it keeps me going. And you have to believe in something more than yourself. Believe in yourself, but you have to have something bigger that you know is taking care of you. And Steve is doing it and has done it. Steve Gutenberg. Tickets, if you're coming yourself, your family, with a group, call 732-246-7717 at the George Street Playhouse, Tales from the Gutenberg Bible. Thank you, my dear. All the best to you and your family. We'll talk again. Thank you, Joan. And I wanted to tell you that Nancy Smith is a friend of my sister Susan, and she sends her love to you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Look forward okay, to talking darling. to you. All the best. Me okay. too. All love to you. Thank Bye -bye. you. I'm Joan Hamburg, and that's Steve Gutenberg, back where he belongs in the world of theater and entertainment. Stay tuned, everyone. You're listening to WABC Radio. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Mother's Day on Sunday. And every year I look forward to the one and only Cindy Adams, her column in the New York Post about her mom. I love reading about it. I love hearing the affection the love, everything she feels and felt for her mama, and talks about her own story. So, Cindy, I love this column, and uh. I look forward to it every year because it sometimes makes me cry. I don't hope it's not sappy. I just—it touches, and it's real. And you talk about your family and how you grew up, and how your mother, no matter what, was there for you, holding your head above water all the time. Look, not everybody develops children as great as you did. You 
have a wonderful relationship. I have met people that I don't quite understand. They don't like their mother. They don't like their parents. They're not close. I don't quite understand it, but who knows about people's emotions? I only had one person in my whole life. I loved my husband, yes. I loved my friends, yes. But I only had my mother to care for me from the day I was born. I was nothing. I had nothing. I was not pretty. I was unattractive. I was ill. And my mother made me every single thing I am today. Even if you don't like me, I am what my mother made for me. So for me, the name mother is almost like you're talking about, like God. Right. That's, that's how I feel. Which is amazing. And when you were growing up and coming of age, did you ever feel resentful that she was trying to turn you into something you might not be? Or did you relish it and go along with it? I didn't feel any any jealousy. I wasn't smart enough or or resentful enough. I was just my mother's child, and whatever she was making me do, I would do. Because I remember when we were poor and mother would go to buy me a dress, she would always buy me two dresses. And I said, Mom, I don't need two dresses. One is enough. I was that way. I understood we had nothing, and I didn't rail against my mom. I was grateful for whatever she did, and she kept doing and doing and doing. And Cindy, did she see your success? Well, she did. She did. She did. She she did. My husband left me in in uh, like 99 or something like that. And she left me three months later. Uh, So I lost them both within a few months. And they were the same age, exactly the same age. Mm. And there was a little tussle between them or my husband's jealousy because I loved my mother intensely. Of course. And he always felt a bit, a bit jealous. Didn't matter to me. My mother was first. She only lived one block away from me, Mm. even when I grew up and was doing well. I got her an apartment right near me. How about you and your children? Are you that, your child, are you that close? I'm very, I have um, two children, two of my own biological children. I have Lizzie, my daughter, and Johnny, my son. Uh, Lizzie lives in New York now. She's lived in Russia and in Japan. She's back in New York. I grew up, like you, very close to my mom. And my father was a great father. So they were such an important part of my life. I have a big family, and my grandfather lived with us. So you can imagine, every night all his children, his stepchildren, whatever he had, would come over to visit Papa. And we were the community dining room. So I loved that. I loved the innumerable relatives piling in to see what goodies would appear on the dining room table. And very close to my own parents and my kids, although Johnny lives in L.A., I still talk to him, believe it or not, every day. And I just, I love 
family and the concept of family. And it does make a difference. And I always admired you, Cindy, because of your devotion to your friends and to your family and the love that you had for your mom and the appreciation that she gave you a life. No matter what sacrifice it took for her, she took care of you. And you How do you understand? How do you understand the world today with children and parents? They don't obey. They turn on their parents. I don't understand that. What is it? that's happening that I cannot understand. Well, it could be a lot of shrinks blaming someone. You know, think about it. Everyone wants to blame someone. When my kids were little and I was working all the time and my kids, Lizzie would say, I'm going to tell the doctor when I grow up that my mom wasn't home all the time for me. Yeah. I said, you're going to tell a psychiatrist? She said, yeah. I said, one day you're just going to tell your own that that's the way life is. But I always love my children. Maybe if there's such a thing as love too much, but like you, I appreciate the opportunity my own mother gave. My mom would say, don't ever be afraid. You can do anything. You might fail, but it doesn't matter. You're going to step over it and go on. I remember she made me get in the car I lived in Long Island in what was then a little town and drive to New York by myself. Oh. I was terrified. I could barely back out of the driveway. And she said, you can do it. I have faith. So you and I had mothers who, no matter what, thought yeah. we were raving beauties and did everything yeah. to make us try to believe it. Yeah, yeah. I only wish, I she wish... I could have had her now. I know. That's all. She would be so proud. But you know what? I have to believe that I don't know why or how, but she knows. Well, that makes me feel better for her. She knows. <laughs> what can you do? We have to do the best we can do. And she would be very proud of her daughter, who has changed the world not only for herself, but for all those people who depend on her, who read her, who care about her. So... Happy Mother's Day to you, dear Cindy, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you, Joan. Thank you very much for the opportunity to be on the air with you. Loved Thank it. you, honey. Bye. Thanks. Bye. I'm Joan Hamburg, and you're listening to WABC, and you can listen to the great Cindy Adams, who comes on the air at 12 o'clock, at 1 o'clock, 1 to 2, every Sunday. All right, everyone, stay tuned because there's much more ahead. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. I know people are asking us about the Tonys. They know I go to a lot of theater, and there is a lot of theater for all of you to see. The Tony Awards are scheduled for June 11th at the United Palace. It's a historic place in New York City, airing on CBS and Paramount. So, do you want to see these shows before the awards? And do you have fun? We used to have a party every year. A friend had the party, but we would go. And everyone would pick Tonys and do this and do that and try to win, and there were prizes. So, the musical, Some Like It Hot, 
picked up the most nominations of any show, 13 totals. The musicals and Juliet, New York, New York, and Shucked each followed with nine nominations. The most nominated plays are Ain't No More, A Doll's House, and Leopoldstadt. They got six each. Now, the Tonys gave us a partial nomination list. The best play, Ain't No More, between Riverside and Crazy, Cost of Living, Fat Ham, and Leopoldstadt. The best musical, so this is to give you a heads up if you want to get tickets, and Juliet, Kimberly Akimbo, New York, New York. You know, that play did not get great reviews, but everyone who saw it loved it and loved the music, too. So the critics aren't always right. Shocked, people laughed like crazy, some like it hot. And for the best revival of a play, August Wilson's The Piano Lesson, a wonderful performance, really good. And A Doll's House, the sign in Sidney Brewstein's window, and Suzanne Laurie Park's Top Dog, Underdog. You want a musical? How can we resist a musical? Well, the best revival, Into the Woods, Camelot, Parade, Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street. In fact, I've seen almost all of them, but I'm seeing Parade, which I missed this uh, weekend. So I'll let you know what I think. But actors, the best performance for a leading role. And there's um, Yaha Abdul Mateen, too. And Suzanne Laurie Parks, Top Dog Underdog, Corey Hawkins. Sean Hayes, Goodnight Oscar. Guys, that performance was so incredible. That was Sean Hayes, and he was extraordinary. I really liked it. And I love the work of Wendell Pierce in Arthur Miller's Death of a Salesman and Between Riverside and Crazy, Stephen McKinley Henderson. Actresses, again, a beautiful performance by Jessica Chastain in A Doll's House. I was mesmerized by Jodie Comer in A Prima Facie and Jessica Hecht in Summer, Audra McDonald, a wonderful, gifted actress. In fact, we're going to try to get her for you. I haven't talked to her in a while. She's in Ohio State Murders. And if you want to see the best performance by an actor... In a leading role in a musical, Christian Borle, Some Like It Hot, Harrison Glee, Some Like It Hot, Josh Groban, Sweeney Todd, Brian Darcy Jane's Into the Woods, and Ben Platt in Parade, another really gifted, well, they're all gifted, but he's a great actor, and Colton Ryan in New York, New York. And let's take a look at the actress in a leading role in a musical, Annalee Ashford and Sweeney Todd, and Sarah Barillis in Into the Woods, Victoria Clark, who is extraordinary. She's a woman, I think she's in her 50s, and she plays a teenager and plays it brilliantly. Kimberly Akimbo, that's uh, Vicki Victoria Clark, Lauren Courtney and Juliet, and Michaela Diamond in Parade. And if we're looking at actors, best performance, 
Jordan Cooper ain't no more. A lot of a lot of amazing actors. Whatever it is, this is a good time of year to go to the theater, go to Broadway, enjoy it. You can go to the ticket booth on 42nd Street, and the chances are really good of getting a big discount ticket to a Broadway play. Broadway's the heart of New York, so treat yourself. Take advantage of all of it. It's your city, and it's your theater, too. So go do it. I'm Joan Hamburg, and more ahead.